Welcome to the Vigor Life Podcast, a source of inspiration, lessons, stories, skill sets, mindsets, and strategies to invigorate and expand all areas of your life. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? Coach Luca's back here with the Vigor Life Podcast. I can't believe it's taken this long to get this man on here, but he's been kind of behind the scenes hiding and shit. And so now he's here, none other than my good <laughs> friend, John Goodman. Um, and if there's anybody that, you know, could probably talk a little bit about online training, I mean, maybe you know a, little, a thing or two. Uh, and just to kind of, yeah, a, a couple maybe. Uh, and, and just to preframe too, like I've, I've taken, uh, so for anybody, like John created the Online Trainer Academy certification. Um, I think it was like the first probably, I mean, honestly, it's the only really legit one. Um, out there to be honest with you i went through it it's, so it's the only legit curriculum there are, there are certainly good business coaches and stuff like that that are that are individual that do business coaching but it's the only legit curriculum for sure i mean yeah that that's probably a better way to phrase it uh it's a the only legit organized curriculum um and that, that teaches i think uh across the board and it's not just yes. like a hey here's facebook ads how to build xyz here's ig how to build it it's, it's actually a business model so yeah. um and, and what, like what we talked about before, you know, what I, I kind of wanted to make this a little bit of a masterclass and just dive in into, you know, there's certainly we're in times where now you've been like kicked in the ass to, if you weren't thinking about online, I don't care who you are. You're, you're now like, oh, okay, this is real. Like I got, I got to make some moves. Um, mm. And to really like, I, I think I want to start with principles. I've been so big on doing, you know, every episode and asking about principles of, of things rather than just tactical strategic stuff, which, which yeah dive into a little bit too for sure but you know what are the the keys now that i think this pattern interrupt that that's been created for everybody to go like whoa okay whether i do you know face-to-face training brick and mortar whatever it may be it makes sense in some capacity to also go online um but you know what are the principles that you're like man these are the things you have to adhere to um to build a successful online business and and, and i i'll say business because i think that's another thing about online which we can dive into you know the lifetime cycle of the client is you know on average way shorter than it is face to face and for brick and mortar and um i i can't tell you how many times people are like oh man i signed up xyz but like three months later you have 20 percent of those clients right it's a different model you you talked about you talked about like the business coaches and stuff like that one of the funny things that i always look at is like every single one of their advertisements you notice that every testimonial always talks about what happened within the first month Yep. And nobody ever talks about what happens after the first year. Hell yeah. Like you notice that system too, right? Cause it's at day 28, check in with the client. So they give you the testimonial. Well, for sure. Go check in later. Right. I mean, there's just none of that. Um, no, man, I, I love that you're doing principles. I want to talk about principles for a second, if that's cool with you. Cause like, Absolutely. you know, you talked about how it took so long for us to get to do this, uh, to do this podcast. I mean, I've known you for a long time. We've, I've respected you for a long time. I hope you've respected me for a while, but it's, but I don't do podcasts fairly often. And I'm opening myself up to a lot of them now. And the reason for that is simply a principle. How do you want to spend your time? What are you focusing on? Mm. It's not to say that there's anything wrong with podcasts. It's not to say that there's anything particularly right with podcasts. It just is. It's, it's one medium. It's one way to promote yourself. And I think that's perhaps the most important principle when you're deciding to do anything online is what are you good at? What are you focusing on right now? How can you dive deep into that thing? A lot of people just dilute their efforts with content before they're kind of ready to. I mean, once you get to a point where you have a team where you have a lot of money to spend, then you can start 
then you can start doing the like Gary Vaynerchuk approach. Like you do an amazing job with this, Luca, right? Like you got videographer, you got a photographer, you have people who can take that content and wrap it up into different ways. But most folks when they start don't. And there, there's something to be said about, <clears throat> about, about choosing a medium, about choosing like a plan of attack and relentlessly executing upon that and going forth with that. And um, best example that I choose this is just like, actually everything works. You know, if you want to write, if you want to blog, that works really well. If you want to do YouTube, that works really well. If you want to do podcasts, that works really well. Like, like everything kind of works, but only if you focus on it and only if you, you, you really dedicate yourself to it. Let's say, let's say YouTube, for example. If I really want to get good at YouTube, think about what I should do, okay? I need to be a pretty good writer because I got to write scripts, but mm-hmm. I'm going to work on my speaking skills. I'm probably going to take improv classes which I know you're a big fan of. Absolutely. I'm going to become a good presenter. Where am I going to network? I'm going to network within other YouTubers, within other people who are doing well on that platform. I'm going to build connections on there. I'm going to try to do collaborations with those types of people. I'm going to research what types of content does well on that platform. How to write headlines, how to do the SEO, how to format the videos, how to do captions, how to do uh, the, the, the thumbnail photos and everything like that. Then I'm going to actually look at how people grow their platforms on YouTube. How does this happen? And as you're networking, you can have more frank conversations with it. But then this is, this is where the bread and butter comes in. How do people convert people from that platform? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, anytime that you're, that you're creating content, anytime that you're creating media, generating traffic, the only goal is to collect that traffic and bring it back to somewhere that you are, right? Which is almost always an email list. And so how are you converting people from that platform? And it's different with every single platform that you use. So, so what, what this is all coming down to is whatever you choose to do, and this is one of the main principles that I follow, whatever you choose to do, well, you got to figure out all elements of that. And it's like our workouts, right? Where do we want to go? Figure that out first. Then from there, you map out the steps working backwards, and then you relentlessly execute forward. And so I say, like, pick one medium, take six months, and that's your thing. And whatever that might be, and execute towards it. And you will do well. I promise you, you'll do well. There's basically no way that you can't. But if you're jumping on every single trend, um, you won't. So like, I didn't do podcasts for a while. Now we launched our own podcast, The Online Trainer Show. Now I'm appearing. What's the best way to grow a podcast? Basically, the only way to grow a podcast is to appear on other podcasts. Um, podcasts are probably the most valuable audience that you can have, but also the most difficult to develop. And if you're trying to develop a podcast from nothing, you're going to have a heck of a time. Podcasts are a great way to go deeper with an existing audience and then use that and grow beyond it. So, you know, we get our existing audience, everybody who's interested in podcasts to listen to our school. Um, ongoing, you know, we'll try to convert more and more of our audience to listen to our podcast. But then what's really the only way to grow a podcast is just appear on a ton, a ton of podcasts because those are people who already like to listen to podcasts. And so that's what I'm doing, right? I'm just executing forward. There was no point in me appearing on podcasts beforehand. It would have been a waste of my time, even if they were popular, even if it was, you know, dudes like you who I like, it just didn't make sense. So like that to me is, one of the biggest principles to follow I mean, is that there that, that's a great point and there's a lot to unpack and i got some follow-up questions on it <laughs> I know people are thinking about let's it. do it well um no but I, okay 
you know how when you look backwards, because there's a lot of people that hit me. I, I do a lot of stuff. You know, I'm, I'm probably not the ideal person to use as an example because I'm probably <laughs> way doing everything. But, but with that said, you know, when you look back, you know, and you connect the dots because you can't connect the dots moving forward, you, you do it looking backwards. Mm -hmm. I started doing YouTube uh, 11, 12 years ago. And it was like, I don't want to say it was horrible. It was like, I keep telling people, you know, go back and look at it. It was like, I look, I lift heavyweight, you know, type of shit. You know, it's just, it, it wasn't like. Um, it's what I you still sound like to me. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess nothing has changed. But, uh, <laughs> but, uh, it was, you know, I, I was. Luca, me played uh, basketball one time. Yeah. Me lift heavyweight. <laughs> Man, it's, it's, um, it, but, but, it, but it's like, you know, obviously I wasn't as, as secure about speaking and, and things that you sure. talked about, you know, doing Toastmasters and improv and all the things that I did in between. But I did that probably for, for years. Um, and then, you know, I started blogging. So I, I did, I did do everything for a long time mm -hmm. before I actually moved on to the next thing. And then over the years, it became pretty simple and easy for me to do multi-platform. And this, you know, what's the yeah. example of this, right? Perfect example of multi-platform is like, we're shooting a podcast right now, but then I'll chop, you know, some, some of this out and put it on IGTV and put it on sure. YouTube and, you know, you can write around it and bam, you got four pieces of content. Yeah. Um, but I, 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 I'm completely 100% in agreement with you that, you know, kind of like looking backwards when I look at how I, I ended up doing that was that you have to get good at something first. And yeah. what it does is it also teaches you to get good at shit. Right. You kind of explained the whole process. You were like, well, first you look into this and you look into this and you got to figure yeah. out how to convert. And then you got to figure out how to grow your, your medium on this platform because it's different. And if you every can platform's one, different. Yeah, mm -hmm. every, every platform is absolutely. And, but, but you get the skills that you can kind of laterally transfer then to right. another platform and make it easier. Um, and, then, and then the final obvious point of you're going to be shit at whatever you do for probably okay. a pretty long time. And there's really nothing you can do about that other than put in the reps. Mm. I mean, you're going to be like, if you start doing YouTube, I don't care who you are, you're going to be shit at YouTube for a while. If you start podcasting, your podcast is going to be shit for a while. That's just how it works. And one of the beautiful things about, I, I, I think a big mistake is people try to launch and they launch before they're good mm -hmm. and they ruin their, their first impression. There's a story that I always go back to and it's probably apocryphal. I, I can't speak to the truth of it, but I like the lesson in it. So I'm just going to tell it anyway. But Eric Schmidt, who's, you know, one of the, one of the founders of Google, the, the story goes, as the story goes, he was, they got their initial bout of investors and the investors basically said, hey man, like you got something great here. Like, like you need to put this out into the world. You need to blast, like we'll give you as much money as you want. Like you need to blast this thing into the stratosphere. And, and he said, no, I don't want to because we're getting better every single day. And the people who find us right now are ready to find us right now. And tomorrow we're gonna to be a little bit better. And the people who find us tomorrow are going to be ready to find us. And a year from now, we're gonna be a lot better. And the people who find us in a year are gonna be ready to find us. And that mimics my story a lot with the Personal Trainer Development Center. We didn't buy a paid advertisement for the first five years. I know, I, and, I, I still thought that was, that was crazy, but it was, but it's, it was you, you did well, it the way. It was, it was, it's, it's funny because I realized like, you know, I, I was really bad in a lot of ways. I was ignorant. I was a bad business person in a lot of ways. And then I woke up one day and I'm like, nah, I actually did stuff the right way. 
because I worked unknowingly. I worked for the long term. You know, I played the long game. I grew slow. It was just this, this, this slow, steady climb. And the result now, everybody else was chasing bikes, right? And so there would be people who passed me for a little bit and then, you know, they just go away. And I'm like, I've seen like four generations of people now on the internet since I've started. And we've just, we've just been Switzerland, man. And we just find ourselves in this position where we have such a strong foundation. Like we said before this, I hate people when they say it's like, we talked about this before the podcast started. Guys, you missed the best stuff and you'll never hear it because we weren't recording. It's like the it's like it's like the jerkiest thing ever. But like we talked about this before. And like that's you know, that's why we have a lot of money in the bank and and for any day, that's why we have this stable platform. Is is that kind of idea of when when the early adopters were ready to find us in 2011 because they were the people who went so far out of their way that they were looking for information on how to be a better trainer and they somehow found my little site that i wrote out of my one bedroom apartment at night after clients those were the people who are forgiving those are the people who are self-selected they're going to be very successful in their career because they're the type of people that are like that. So those people now actually own gyms that train trainers and they're passing on our materials now, whatever it is, nine years later. Um, if I tried to blast this thing off in 2011, it wasn't very good. It would have been met by a lot of people who would have simply expected more and been so unimpressed by what it was. But the people who found it were the people who were forgiving, were the people who liked to find stuff early, who liked to talk about how, it's like, it's like when you discover an indie band and then that indie band goes mainstream and you're like, no, they're shit now, they sold out. It's like, no, they're the same <laughs> as they always were. It's just not cool for you to talk about it anymore. So you don't care. I mean, it's, it's those types of people. And so it's hard though, man. Like it's it, back in 2011, as you know, I mean, you were kicking around back then. It's just, there wasn't the comparison that we have now. It's, it's, it's easier than it ever was to start and harder than it ever was to keep going. Mm. That's, and, that's, uh, a, that's a quotable, my friend. Yeah. Put yeah. that on, on IGTV. Absolutely. I don't even know how to use, I put my first ever video on IGTV ever like last week. Um, and it was one of our podcasts. It was, it was Ren Jones and his, you know, uh, just a stunning message that he put out about Black Lives Matter. And I wanted to share it. And it was like a 15 minute video. And I had to, I had to teach myself how to upload. <laughs> I did Google how to use <laughs> IG Live. Um, so you don't need to know how to use IG Live to go on the internet. And I've never been on TikTok. So you don't need TikTok to do well on the internet, everybody. <laughs> There's your lesson. <laughs> That's gonna be that's gonna be a huge letdown for a lot of people. But um, that I'm not on TikTok. I know <laughs> that you don't. I have so many dances. Feed. I mean, jeez, uh, I've been failing there because I, I I'm I'm on it, but don't have any posts on there yet. But it, you know, you're I missing think, opportunity, Luca. You're never gonna be successful. I have to go home to my 17th platform to make it now. Uh, you're just <laughs> you're just never gonna be successful. I mean, you know, Periscope, whatever. Like, it, what? I mean, everybody knew that wasn't gonna be around. Nobody jumped on that and thought that that was the end all. And like, you know, Snapchat, like, every, like you had to do Snapchat. Um, it's. I mean, but that's you know that's why I love that you're bringing this up though because we are we do live in a time right now where a lot of the media that hits you is like, hey, don't miss out on this. Don't miss out. Right, on Right, which it. is and, stupid. It, which is humans which is don't great. change no and and look do you know people actually i just said uh 
Brian Cron on a couple of weeks ago. And why would you do that? Yeah, I know. Cranky, I know. cranky Cron. I'm One kidding. I love Brian. Love <laughs> he, was, he was the editor. He was the secret editor. I'll tell you a funny story. He was the secret editor for the PTDC for like three years, four years. And nobody knew. And, and the reason why is um, I, I always love when people talk about their business when they actually tell you the truth because everybody who's risen above, like there's, there's so much competition to get above a certain point I find in business. Like everybody's kind of scrambling to the top and anybody who's crossed over that threshold and is doing really well always did some like walk the line, like gray area shit along the way and nobody talks about it because it's the only way to really like get ahead. And like some people did like, like really black hat stuff, but most of the time it's like, it's like they kind of found out how to get the littlest bit of an advantage. So I'll tell you one story of like one thing that I did was we had this issue where we were contributor based, you know, contributors were our readers for our website, for personal trainer development center. And I was the editor, you know, it was, it was me, myself and I doing everything. And then I brought Brian on to kind of help. And um, we, most of the readers sending and stuff was, was really crappy content. And so we rejected a lot of it. We tried to be nice, but we didn't want them to hold anybody at our organization in contempt for rejecting them. So I created a separate email that was like PTDC editorial or something like that at gmail.com because we didn't have an at the PTDC at that point. And I pretended that there was an editor where really it was me writing the emails and nobody knew who the editor was. <laughs> so nobody could get mad at anybody. Great move. <laughs> so, you're, so, you're, so you're like, listen, guys, I don't know. It's the editors are being really, really, you know, really hard on this stuff, but you know, they got to do their job. Somebody messages not, me not and me. they're just like, they're just like, yo, I got a great idea for an article. And like, I know it's not going to be good. And I know it's not going to work. And I was like, oh yeah, cool. Like message our editor. <laughs> <Here's the email." laughs> um, I remember, I remember another story of somebody talking about how she like doubled her speaking fees by creating another email of her quote unquote booking agent These instead of her, instead of her answering the email. Right now. I hope everybody's yeah. taking it. Instead of her answering the email, it was like her booking agent who, who, you know, answered the email and she was her booking agent, but she just gave her, she, uh, uh, this is going to sound horrible, but she gave herself a white man's name and, um, and found that it doubled. She was able to double her speaking fees and nobody objected. Then if she answered herself as a woman, which is that's, horrible. That's horrible. That is, but it shows uh, the times in human psychology, right? Oh and, my uh, God. Absolutely. Now, with, yeah. listen, it, it, on, on that note, because even kind of wrapping up like some of the stuff that you talked about on the principles and, you know, talking, because uh, bringing back like the whole uh, Brian scenario, we talk, you know, he's done well with writing, obviously. But wait, mm -hmm. you know, writing doesn't work because people don't have an attention span. And yet, you know, there's people still writing and doing really well and building their online yep. coaching business. And, but if you, you know, would you, if you're, you're basically kind of mentoring somebody that's going like, okay, I'm kind of newer to this. I haven't done a lot of content. You know, how do you kind of uh, uh, squeeze out, you know, what might be the first step for them? And yeah. whether it's IG, whether it's, uh, you know, writing on Facebook and doing ads and doing content or video or like, you know, how do you kind of squeeze that out of them? It's definitely not paid ads. It's nowhere close to paid ads. I think paid ads come pretty far down the line. Cool. For most people, um, you know, all these Facebook ad specialists talking about the great returns and low, low ad costs. It's like, yeah, in the first three weeks, once you've skimmed the cream off the top, like you can't acquire a customer at any kind of scale now for less than $120, $150, depending on what niche you are in fitness. Like 
which means you need a strong back end. And that's assuming that you have great marketing, great copywriting, good landing pages, good funnel, good back end, and a good sales process and conversion process, which means you need multiple people as well. And, and a lot of skill sets. So like, not to say that that's bad. We do a lot of paid advertising, but you need a machine to make it work at any kind of scale. And, uh, and most people who do it lose their shirt pretty quick mm-hmm. um, these days. But uh, man, where do you start? It's a, it's a very good question. I always say, I always say two things. I always say, number one, start before you're ready. A lot of the decisions that people make when they build an online training business are decisions where they confuse what we call the micro for the macro. There's a lot of small things that people get wrapped up in that, that waste their time, like, like business name, like logos, like branding colors, like, like to your question, where do I post Facebook or Instagram? What's the, what's the best video editing software for Instagram? Who gives a fuck? <laughs> do you really think that that matters? Really? And, and the answer to anybody who's really honest with you is going to say no, because everybody knows that it doesn't. But it's, it's a way to justify not taking action right away, because it's harder to actually take action and execute than it is to pretend that you're still doing work and making all these decisions. What's the best software to use? Who gives a shit? Use Google Sheets, because you actually have no clue what you have zero context to put these questions through at this point. And if you have zero context, there's no way that you can make an appropriate decision for you because the answer, the true answer to all of those questions of what software to use or whatever is, it depends and it matters much less than you think. And what you should probably do is get started now because that would force you to take action. And so there's a story that I love to tell by uh, Thomas Edison, again, potentially an apocryphal story, but I, I like apocryphal stories. And it's, by, it's, it's a story about Thomas Edison, who, um, you know, obviously the inventor, like maybe not an inventor, <laughs> right? It, it, it goes to show you that it actually doesn't matter who's responsible for success. What matters is who gets credit for success. And you might like that or you might not like that, but that's how society goes. And so Edison was re- what Edison got the credit for a lot of inventions, whether he actually invented them or not is irrelevant, but he was a very good businessman. Um, and I think there's a lot that you can take from that. But the story is he would, if he was working on an invention or his company was working on an invention that they were really struggling with, what he would do is he would call up the newspaper and he would call in a press release for a date in the future celebrating that he had invented this thing that's going to change the world. And what that did is it forced him to succeed, to invent whatever that thing was by that date or else risk huge public embarrassment. And to what he says is this forced his brain into a higher gear to figure it out. And I love that lesson. And we see that all of the time with online trainers. You have to get your first five clients. And, and we have a process where, where we can help you get five clients. I can talk to you about that in a second. But get your five clients first before you know what the heck you're going to do. And give yourself a week to figure it out with all of them expecting that they're going to get their training and their programming on the following Monday. And promote it in a way whereby you are going to figure it out with them. This is an experiment. We call it founding client, right? This is an experiment. This is a beta group. 
where you can figure it out and they're part of the process. They give you permission to basically not be perfect. Because I think as fitness professionals, we fall into this fallacy of we have to be perfect and we have to know everything. And as a result, we found that a lot of people don't take action simply because they know that they can't do it perfect. And so they talk themselves out of it until they can. And they're never going to get it perfect, so they never do it. And they basically just spin the wheels trying to decide what software to use over and over and over again. And, um, and if you have five clients who have paid you waiting for their program, you're going to figure it out. Mm -hmm. And the only way to make actual good decisions with how to structure your business and your support systems is to have some sort of context through which to run those decisions through, which means you've actually done it before. And that seems kind of counterintuitive. It seems kind of backwards. But we actually say step one is get five clients. Step two is sign up for the Online Trainer Academy. Step three is sign up for the Online Trainer Academy level two. And, and so I'm happy to talk to you about, you know, how to get those five clients that basically any trainer can do. Like we have an 82% success rate in seven days with no paid ads or phone selling. Let, let's with this let's process. Call like quick, quick fire. Like quick fire, understand the components of a compelling offer. Like, like you know this. What's a compelling offer? How many trainers actually produce compelling offers to their audience? Very, very few. And so we call it 5160 principle, right? Uh, the, the, the basic core tenets of a compelling offer that you make for your audience is you need to have some sort of a limit of how many people you're taking on. You need to target one group of people specifically. You need to have a, a transformation that you're selling with some sort of quantifiable measure that's reasonable and attainable, yet exciting. And you need to have some sort of scarcity or urgency at the end of it, basically telling people to take action and get off the fence. And so what we do in these seven days is we work on this, on, on the hypothesis that's proved to be correct of any trainer worth their salt has enough of a history of people that they've worked with or people who know that they're enough of an expert that they're, that they just need to make a good offer to these people basically to take out the low hanging fruit in their network. And this is step one, by the way, is who in your network will take action right now if you ask the right way in, in, a, in a concerted effort. And it, I mean, look, if you've, if you've never trained anybody before and you've never used social media, you probably, there's, there's nothing you can do in seven days. Like build up an expert status and get results with some people. But if you, if you have any kind of social media presence or a past book of clients or ideally both, and, and I say social media presence, like a hundred followers on Instagram, like you don't need, you know, thousands at all. Then what you do is choose a seven day period, identify what type of client you want. And it doesn't mean that you can't work with anybody outside of that, but like you need to, you need to make something specific to one person or else you, you got to be for one person or else you're for nobody at all. If, if you're marketing online and, um, and then just put together an offer. So we call it 5160. I'm looking for five people who have, what's the one benefit who have no more than let's say 10 pounds to lose in the next 60 days who are busy stay at home moms who used to be super fit, but I felt things slip away a little bit for a, uh, experimental new program that I'm doing in the next 60 days. When I launch this, it's going to be 500 bucks, but for this first founded client group, it's 197. 
If you're in, shoot me a message. We'll get you going. The group starts next week. Once we get five, we're done. And it ends, you know, basically you have to let me know before this date. Put out that message with content and then by itself. And basically say like, like Monday to Sunday. And then on Sunday, you put out last chance messages. And you'll get five clients. Like, like we run people through this as a challenge and we provide the content and stuff like that. You can easily follow it without going through our challenge. We have an 82% success rate of clients getting at least one on average is 4.92 new paying clients in seven days with no paid ads, no phone selling. And we're approaching a million dollars in training revenue that we've generated for people at a, in and around a 95% profit margin. Just through this challenge that you guys have been running, This right? one challenge. It's, it's insane. Like, and it's, it's not a long-term strategy, right? It's, yeah. It's, it's, this, it's this principle, it's this idea, this fundamental hypothesis whereby every single trainer who's been working for a while, I mean, most folks out there feel like they need to improve their health and fitness and appearance. What we sell is the most emotional thing you could sell. Most trainers have some sort of an expert persona, you know, like status amongst people who they kind of know. And, and trust is a really interesting thing because somebody who's met you once, who's a friend of a friend who you're connected to on Facebook has a reason to choose you over anybody else. This is why paid ads are so difficult. Like, like the minute you start dipping into paid ads, all of a sudden now you're cold selling, which the right way to use paid ads is actually to use paid ads and create a brand with the paid advertising and then retarget those warm leads yep. with conversion offers. Well, now you're talking about a multi-step approach that takes a lot of content and understanding of a lot of psychology. And, um, and also like, like you're going to need to go in the hole for a while. I mean, we go on the negative now, like we'll go in the negative 60, 70, 80, 90 days with paid ads because we know our numbers so well, but that's not something to start off with. This is something that I do nine years into my business. Um, and so so yeah, man, get those, that first step, get those five clients, figure out what the hell this online training thing is, because then you'll look around and you'll understand a, why something like the online trainer Academy is what you need and not an individual business coach for the most part, because an individual like, like online business coach, most of these guys are selling it are not like, like, like you and Steve Luca, they're guys who haven't been around for very long or girls who haven't been around for very long. And they're people who have one model for one type of person that works right now. And in a month, it's going to be out of date. And if you're not that exact one type of person, it's not right for you. But you would never know that if you don't have any experience. Well, and it's, um, and it, it sounds good. I mean, so much to unpack. Uh, first of all, like great breakdown of that. Cause like, I hope if you're listening, you can just pause this joint right here and just go do it. Um, yeah. Uh, if you have that foundation, I, th I think what's great is like exactly what you said is if you get five, you get three, if you get four, one thing that it does psychologically is that you're like, Oh shit, I can do this. And I so can do this. People will pay me for this. Uh, yeah, massive. Exactly. And that's massive. massive. That's massive. And I, I, I guarantee you probably once you do that, that person, even if they got no coaching could probably figure out how to get a couple more. Now it doesn't mean you're going to build this massive, but the thing is, but the power of that, 
dude, yeah. I just did this in a week and I just got five clients. That mm -hmm. is, you know, so valuable in and of itself. And you want to know the best part about, about that is it's not just five clients. It's five clients who are giving you permission to make it up as you go and, and figure it out along with them. And then they're a part of the process and a part of the growth, which actually in turn makes them more bought in to help you succeed. Like yeah. that's the beauty of it. And, and I would like, just from my experience too, like here's, you know, it's so easy to, I've had a gym now for 14 years, if you count the one in Slovenia, 11 here in Jesus. the US. And, you know, I didn't start doing any online coaching and we haven't even really gone hard on it, by the way, mm -hmm. but like I do, I do some, you know, online coaching with a limited number of people, uh, but we've built a whole back end. I actually spent probably like a year and a half building it, you know, a custom app, you know, uh, Bornstein helped out. We did a bunch of stuff. But the point being is that even now, you know, everything that you're saying is like, hey, have patience, make it good. You know, yeah. I've, I've been doing that. But the reason I say that is because there's so like when you, you know, when you see an ad online, it, it makes you believe that you can just start today, get 60 clients and have a, <laughs> you're just like rolling. You're just rolling. It's systemized. I mean, you work for four hours a day, then you go and do whatever you want. And the reality, like, you know, if, if anybody's figured that shit out, please let me know so I can pay you. But it's, it's the, the, you know, I've been, I've done a lot of stuff and it's like, that's just not how it works. Yeah. Um, if it was that easy, don't you think everybody would be doing it? Exactly. I mean, it's not like there's a lack of, of consumers who have money that are interested in fitness. We haven't even scratched the surface of the total available market. And yet, how many people do you know that have actually been really successful with this on the scales that those claims make? Not to say it doesn't happen. Yeah. It does happen, but it doesn't happen overnight. And the people that it happens to have in every single case brought in either a massive brand and following that they've been developing for years or a huge point of leverage into their business i.e. they went into it and they were an incredibly skilled speaker or writer or marketer. And, and they another, brought that into their business. And, and here's another, another thing that I would look at on that is give me a span of like five years to see that success, right? So I, I, right. what I've seen a lot of times too is like this, you know, one year of stuff happening, but then it's not a consistent, it's not maintainable. So um, then to me, it's, it's not legit because who wants to have an explosion of business one year, then go drop back down and figure it out again and drop back down. It's right. It, it's not, it's not a type of business that you want to build. Well, it's exhausting. Exactly. It's exhausting. You're going to keep making it up and reinventing yourself new. I mean, how many people you, you've been in this game longer than I have, Luca. How many people have you seen? I, I won't ask how many people have you seen come and go? Cause there's no way you could even answer that. How many people have you seen stay? How many people have you seen that have consistently grown year after year, built what seems like a stronger and stronger business for more than three years? Can you count them on one hand, two hands? Be, I mean, I def you definitely want to think about it. It's, it's, it's not big. It's not, it's not that big, um, and which, which, which is a great point. And this, this is what like leads me to that. Cause I wanted to ask you this question. I have my own thoughts about it. And um, like when you, you know, for instance, I'm, I'm big on just studying, you know, stuff that's done well, that succeeded, try to pull out nuggets. Right. No, you don't read many books at all. No, I, <laughs> you hate, you hate books. I hate them. 
I, I barely you know how to books. Read. That's why I'm doing podcasts. I barely know how to read. <laughs> somebody gave you somebody gave you a book one time, and you were just like, "Nah, what do I need this? I know everything." <laughs> that's that's you. No, I know you well, man. <laughs> but what I, what I what what's, what boggles me sometimes is that like you know uh, there'll be such different models from and you know I could use examples, but something that's you know twenty bucks a month, nineteen bucks a month, and mm-hmm. thousands. Um, then there's you know decently high. I mean, I'll say pretty high ticket stuff that's yep. hundred a month. Um, and people don't have done pretty well. Then there's the in-betweens. And I mean, me personally, I think like, I, I know that there's no way to say one thing works and another one doesn't. But, yeah. you know, a couple of questions for you are, you know, long-term, uh, you know, how do you pick that? Uh, I, I have some of my own thoughts about this. I I'll, I'll, might add to the, at the end, but because um, things certainly change, but what should somebody pick and choose to do as a coach, you know, cause I, I'm mm. seeing a lot of folks that are like, Oh, let me go this route. Uh, you know, especially if you don't have a huge brand or a following and people are like, yeah, I'm just going to build a, you know, low end continuity, uh, kind the of worst Ooh, horrible idea. I'll do that. Um, but, but like only, I said, the only way that low end continuity programs work is if you have a massive brand and the ability to generate huge amounts of organic leads for free on an ongoing basis. Mm-hmm. That's the only way that you can make it work. Maybe if you've got like a high ticket offer, then, then you can add it in later. But to be honest, it still doesn't even make sense for that. Just hire coaches. Yeah. Like when you actually look at the numbers, it's just the dumbest model ever to do as a fitness coach. If it costs about the same to generate a lead for a low end continuity offer as it does for, you know, medium to high end coaching, and you need, like, if you want to make $100,000 a year, it's a difference between thousands of customers. Mm-hmm. Like, it just, it's, I mean, I could work out the numbers for you. Like, I've done it on video before. It's just, and, and, and most people look at low-end continuity offers and like, oh, yeah, this person will stay a year and then, you know, make this much from them and whatever. It's like, no, everybody joins a low-end continuity offer with the stated expectation that they will leave in one month. And if you build a great offer, you might keep people for four to six months max. And that's if you're great. I mean, amazing onboarding, amazing customer service, incredible retention. Like four months, I would say, even is the high end for fitness, low end continuity. Which means your lifetime customer value at a $20 a month is max 80 bucks. You can't generate a customer at any kind of scale for less than 80 bucks. And then you got to factor in everything from refund rates to expenses to payment processing, everything like that. Like you're losing money running your program if you're trying to grow it. It just doesn't make sense. You know where, and this is a kind of the direction that we're doing some stuff right now, like where I find value in the lower, not necessarily continuity maybe, but just like lower end short programs mm-hmm. is it's a buyer's list. And I was uh, like hundred percent, hundred percent. Because from there, do you know, you know, Justin Tupper? No. Justin uh, built the biggest golf membership site on the planet and then sold it to uh, the golf network for a lot. <laughs> when did he start building it? Probably about, I mean, I'd say at least, I don't know, eight, 10 years, 10 years ago, maybe? Yeah. So yeah, long, like, yeah, if, long if, if you were building it eight, 10 years ago, it'd, have, it'd be a different conversation. When, yeah, when you could generate leads for a buck 50, it'd be a different conversation. Yeah. And it's, <laughs> I, mean, it's, it's the market. I mean, you know, he said to me, he said, man, there's nothing else to squeeze out. 
yeah. uh, had 700,000, uh, you know, members, it was, it was nuts. And they figured out email and paid ads and the whole shebang, but sure. But, but that was, you know, but he, he made a great point. And he said, look, that's your buyer's list. Yeah. And then from there, the buyer's list, you go to the, you know, the hiring programs that are more involved and stuff like that. I've written 11 books. What do you think they're used for? Yeah, exactly. That's it. it's not continuity though. You don't want to get on a content wheel. You don't want to the the, the customer. You know this, Moni and Jim, dude. The customers who pay the least expect the most. Yep. They're pains in the ass. They're going to cost you more money. They're going to give you more headaches. They're going to give you. They're going to keep you up at night. Sell them a book. Sell them a a, a one off program. Yeah, Use it as a loss leader. Use it as a way to like like we got a free plus shipping offer for our online training book. Right. We've got affiliates promoting that like crazy. You know, we, we pay them per book they give away and then we give our, our people free books. We've got, I mean, I'll sell 50 to a hundred books every day, every two days. Those are all lost leaders, man. Yeah. We're not like, it's not to say they're lost leaders. We do make money on them, but like not enough to run a business. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's, and, and the only reason why I make any kind of reasonable, like I'll make, I'll make three or $400,000 a year in books. Like it's not insignificant money, but it's nowhere close to what we need to run our business. But it's, it's the type of thing where um, the only reason that I'm able to generate money and profit from it is because I have 11. It's because we sell a bundle of eight books. If you're selling one book, your margin is only going to be so much. But if you sell every book that you add to that, your margin actually increases. So your profit increases considerably. So if I were to sell and ship one book, it'd be pretty hard for me to break even, which is why I love the like Russell Brunson free plus shipping model where he basically lies about the stats to make it sound like it's really, really easy to break even and make money on the front end, which you basically can't do when you actually understand the real numbers of it. But if you have appropriate upsells and if you have good numbers and stuff like that and a good back end, 100% it's a good model. But like, but even then, I, I agree with you. Like, like low-end continuity, though, is not the key. The key is a, a low-end front-end offer to get people in the door to help cover your ad spend to allow you to scale, and then you have a good follow-up and nurture and conversion process. It's okay. that's, that's what you got to do. Absolutely. If not. you want to really scale with the paid ads. And, 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 and I, that's why I wanted to touch on this, but you know, to go back to what you were saying as far as, okay, let's say we got, we got, we got two examples, right? One is okay. you're a coach and you want, whether it's a hybrid, you're training some people, you know, face to face and you, you want to kind of build um, an online model, but you're like, I'm going to be more or less solo, maybe some virtual assistants. What have you seen as even fe like feasible from a pr perspective of what you can take on and do quality work with, right? Like when somebody's like, I'm one coach and I have a hundred online clients. I'm like, eh, Hell no. Hell uh, probably not. No, we not. have found there are exceptions to this. And, and the outliers, it's interesting. You hear about like Michael Phelps and what made him such a great swimmer. And, you know, he's a freak with like massive hands and massive feet, but also it's what, what many would consider to be, um, either a mental advantage or, or mental disability, depending on, on who you talk to. I mean, obsessive compulsive. He could focus on the line in the water because he had this, this difference in chemistry in his brain. And so a lot of, there are some coaches who work with 100, 150 at a time, who are able to offer them a good service. If you actually know them, every single one of them that I know that does that 
has uh, they are they are somewhere along the line of of the autism scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I don't know where you're at with that. Like, like I'm not like I couldn't do it. Um, what we have found is that for most people, if they're offering any kind of an individualized service, um, 30 to 35 clients is generally their max. At that point, then they they get somebody to work under them, <clears throat> or multiple people to work under them, or build basically like like build better automation and, and scale to their business. And um, and there's a lot of misconceptions about technology and automation and online training. It's it's best used to maximize where a coach shows up. A lot of a lot of trainers that get burnt out with online coaching simply have bad systems. You know, they're doing a lot of things that quite frankly, humans shouldn't do. And then they're having trouble showing up in places where humans should show up as coaches because they're burnt out from all of the other stuff that you should leverage technology and automation to do. Um, it's not a matter of eliminating humans. It's a matter of maximizing humans. It's, and, it's a- uh, and so enhancing humans, whatever you want to call them. Now, the thing is, so, because what you're saying, and like, I mean, we're completely in agreement with this. Because I, because I, I want to bring to light the realities of it, like give strategies, give For sure. foundations. But if you want to build a multiple six-figure online mm-hmm. business, uh, it's going to be very difficult for you to do solo in the ranges that we're talking about. I don't know, unless you're charging one ninety-seven. That you, know, you won't. You won't. You won't. You have to have people. You have to you have. Can't. You, you can make a hundred thousand. You can. You can make one hundred and fifty thousand by yourself. Um, you'd have a hard time going over that. I mean, even to the point like admin, right? Marketing expenses, like you just need people supporting you. Um, yeah, I mean, let me, let me give you a real example. So we're building an online fitness company. Mm-hmm. Um, we're we're going to be doing a, a, a beta test in the next month. And, um, and we're, we're building a company that's specializing in working with trainers on their fitness. And it's just a need in the market that we found. And it's also a way to teach people how to run an online training business is, is, put them through the best online training business model and fitness model that they'd ever see. And so I basically broke it down. I said, first year, we want to make a million bucks with a 40% profit margin. Okay. You're a numbers guy. Let's break that down. So what do we need to do? So we're going to do, we're going to do a test group of hundred. We'll get that with one email. That's no problem. So we'll do a test group of hundred, but, but the way that it breaks down is, um, we need, we, we have a head coach who's basically in charge of all the coaches. We have a general manager in charge of, of the project, project manager. Um, and then we have our admin staff who we account in the numbers. But for the most part, it's okay. If we're charging 500 bucks every 90 days, it's going to be a bit more than that after we start. But if we're charging 500 bucks every 90 days, well, we need 2,000 three-month periods. So not necessarily 2,000 clients, but like 2,000 three-month periods, we need 500 every quarter. So we're going to do a launch every quarter. So we're aiming for 500 every quarter. Okay, well, um, we figure with the automation, with the systems that we're building, with the head coach, with the programming already built um, for the coaches, we figure each coach can take on 50 people. And, and that's just because we're just going to have amazing systems backing up. I, you know, that'd be on the high end for most, but we've kind of, we kind of know what we're doing with this. And, uh, and so, okay, so you need 10 coaches, right? Working with 50 people at a time. 500 every three months, just break down those numbers. That's what, and then, and then it's just a matter of saying, okay, if we need a 40% profit margin, we got 600,000 bucks to play with. Mm-hmm. That's how you start to then decide, okay, what do we pay our coaches? What do we pay the head coach? 
What bonus incentive structures do we build in? Because our coaches aren't going to be paid very much when we give them clients, but if they retain clients, they get a big bonus mm -hmm. um, because they're not doing any of the marketing or anything like that. Uh, and then basically what's left over, maybe we decide we want to take a bit bigger profit margin or maybe we decide we want to. And so basically for the beta group, the way I worked out the numbers and I was like, actually, we can do 58% profit margin on this. It still paid people really well because the numbers worked out more favorably. So it's like, okay, well, then I looked around and I said, well, okay, there are some services to help us get set up better and help us run the business better. So we can, you know, we can invest into that. But if you want to do a seven, like, like that gives you an idea of what a million dollar online training business is, right? We're talking 10 coaches plus a head coach, plus a project manager, plus a support staff, plus probably a, a contracted, um, not development team, because we won't need to do any development with existing tools, but basically a team to, to run our software for us. And what I think what's important for people to also understand that, that you're looking at about half a million payroll for sure, mm -hmm. you know, in, in scenarios like that, which, which this is what really matters for people to see. And it's not to discourage anybody. I think that it's, there's, there's a, it's just a key in exposing uh, or revealing, let's just say revealing what things really look like on the back end right. uh, and why, you know, and I've had this conversation so many times and cause here's, here's the thing you broke it down. And honestly, if you didn't say online coaching, you could easily have said million dollar gym business. You, you know what I'm oh, saying? For sure. The difference with gym business is there's more hard costs, right? Click and mortar. You've got a, there's, there's a lot more. I mean, with us, there's insurance and stuff like that, but there's a lot more insurance. There's a lot more hard costs. You've got to put money away for stuff breaking. Um, yeah, well, in the gym too, like, listen, I, I'm like, if you do, you know, net 15, 20, you're, that's pretty good, right? Right. Uh, so if you add in an online coaching business to a gym, that's, if you already have a gym and already have a pipeline of leads in the gym, now you add in a net 90 profit yeah. margin. Yeah. Talk about a point of leverage for that gym in that neighborhood now. Now you can outspend. Now you can outserve everybody because everybody's competing on the same like in any business, you want to you want to look at where your leverage points are and take advantage of that, and 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 you know turn that lever. So, what is it for a gym owner? If a gym owner has online that allows them to pad their bottom line more than everybody else in their neighborhood, you can annihilate your competition. See, I, I'm. It's almost like we planned for you to go here, but but you took it. <laughs> <laughs> I've spoken to a lot of gym owners and we yeah. do, we have done a fair amount of consulting. Like we don't do consulting on a small scale, you know, like a, a minimum consulting would be 50,000 bucks that, that we'll even look at and probably won that now. But, but you know, we, we have done some consulting with big gym chains and stuff like that about incorporating online training. And it's, I mean, the, it, it, these, the, everybody's so slow moving on this, man. Mm. It's so wild. And all of them, uh, uh, let me tell you a story that illustrates this huge gym chain in Canada. I won't name any names because it doesn't exactly paint them in the best light, but a huge gym chain in Canada um, approached us and the owner approached us and basically said, this is uh, nine or 10 months ago. So before COVID, before anybody was thinking about COVID, everything, right? Basically said, um, hey, you know, I, you know, we, we really want to start an online training business. Like he knew me through a, a bunch of networks and stuff like that. You know, can you help us set it up? Spoke to him, spoke to his head trainer, um, had some meetings with them with our head coach and uh, basically sent him a proposition. It was going to be a $50,000. If, if they came to us, it was going to be a bit more if we came to them. We were going to spend um, a weekend with them, build it out for them and then some ongoing support and, uh, and basically get them up and running. This company, I mean, with, with their reach, with their gyms, like, like they had over a dozen 
facilities, right? They would have, I mean, they would have made a return on day one, a positive return. This would have added an easier seven figure to the bottom line revenue stream to them. Year one, like easy. They decided not to do it and instead open up another gym in a major city in Canada that costs $300,000. COVID hit. Who do you think I see on Facebook complaining that this isn't fair and the government better bail us out? The craziest shit about this story is this dude knew. He knew how brittle his business model was. He knew what the solution was. He knew how to get the solution. And yet he said no and did something more expensive because it was more comfortable because they had done it before. It highlights this element of human psychology where we run away from things that are different, even if we know that they're the right thing to do, because it's hard and it's more comfortable to do things that you've already done. It's uh, in, in the book, uh, actually, I was just, just finished the book, The Catalyst, it talks about endowment, which is basically that. Mm. Right? Yeah, that is, the change is so difficult. Yeah. Um, but it, even though, even though actually it, it was talking about that, if a person doesn't see a big enough return, like for instance, if I said, hey, I'm going to give you a buck, you're going to give me back a buck 20. You're like, eh. Now, yeah. if you give me back five bucks, I'll do it. <laughs> I'll offer 20%. And, it's, and it, it's called endowment. It's the same uh, kind of theory. Not, not theory. You know how many did the test? How much would you pay for this mug? And oh, yeah. For three, but then once it was theirs, they'd sell it for seven bucks even though it made no sense, but because- Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's that called? Ownership bias. I don't think it's ownership bias. It's, 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 a, it's a bias. It's a, yeah, that's a, that's a Kahneman and, and Tversky thing. Yeah. And, I mean, that's exactly what I, what I hear there, where it's just like, ah, oh, man, like, I know that this online thing could do X, Y, Z, but we already got 15 gyms. Let's just yeah. do keep one, you know? Um, that's what it was, man. That's what it was. It's, it's crazy. Like, you, you, look at, you look at what's going on in the fitness. The fitness industry has arguably been hit as hard or harder than any- Maybe not like the airline industry and like the travel industry, but like one of but but it's there one of the harder hit industries, and it's going to be one of the harder hit industries long term, mm -hmm. right? And um, because it's going to be a long time before people shake hands and give high fives again, and like that's kind of what the gym is predicated on. It's why you know it's why people a lot of the time go and how we build community, and you do an amazing job of that. And like this, the, the fascinating thing to me is. Everybody knew that the fitness industry was broken. Like I was a personal trainer in 2008 and I played ice hockey at night and I got tripped and I sprained my hamstring and I couldn't train people for two weeks and I didn't make money for two weeks. That was my catalytic point where I'm like, this shit ain't a career. You know, I don't know what else I'm going to do. I know I want to do this for a lot longer because it's super fun and I get a lot of purpose out of it. And I'm making pretty good money when I'm working, but I know there's no way I can have a family. I know there's like something will happen, right? I don't know what that is, but something will happen. That's going to, that's going to take me off period. So, so I started looking into real estate investing. I built a business plan for a smoothie operation and it ended up of doing what I'm doing now, which is whatever the hell that is. But like, it's, it's this, it's this idea of like, you need something when you're not on your feet and everybody knows this. Nobody like, like, you know, as the pandemic was approaching, you know, people in the know kind of were like, yo, we should probably be paying attention to this. But for the most part, like going up to it, like nobody really knew that it was going to be a pandemic that was going to happen. But if you, if you follow trends at all, something was going to happen. I mean, it was just the model was so brittle 
people had built such loose, broken foundations. There was so little resiliency and robustness in people's businesses. And everybody knew it. But it was easier for the time being not to do anything about it. Everybody was going to do something about it later. Right? And then and then COVID hit. And now it's like, oh my God, what do we do? Okay, we're just going to do workouts on video. It's like, nah, online training ain't workouts on video. <laughs> Stop. Yeah, that's not what it is. And, and I think that, you know, um, and, and to me, it's almost like these last three to four years, um, I've really focused on building the brand part of it, right? Yep. Where, where if you do that, now you do have more opportunities. And it's, it's, it's like, a, you know, obviously one-on-one supply and demand. Um, I, I knew when people started just messaging me going like, uh, do you have something to sell? I'm like, uh, no, no, I don't. Yeah. <laughs> but, but then I keep getting that. I'm like, okay, well, there's more demand than there is supply. So I, I've, I have something here, you know, let, let's launch. But it came from, you know, obviously building the, the platforms and building the brand and sure. giving value to people and people going like, well, shit, like, I love what you're doing here. Can I work with you? Can I get a program? Can I buy a PDF? Whatever it may be. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I really have encouraged, you know, gym owners to make sure that they're doing that. Because here's the thing. It's going to help your brick and mortar business. You know, it helps everything you do. It helps everything. So it's not, it's not one of those things where it's like, oh, well, this is for all. No, it just it gives you a much better foundation to build mm-hmm. anything off of. Uh, and it gives you, uh, let's just say right now, it's like, that's the thing that I look you know, towards. I go, okay, well, I can run stuff like leaner and meaner. And you know, I, I would say make you know, change some stuff and some models that maybe we might not be able to run in the future. Maybe we will, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna bet on it, right? And um, but, here's all these other avenues. <clears throat> yeah, it gives, you, it gives you an opportunity to figure it out when the time comes. Yeah. You, if, if you, nobody can predict the future. It's too chaotic, it's too random. I mean, read some of Nassim Talib's work. Tell me yeah. you don't believe me, right? There are always going to be, in, in his words, black swan events. There's always going to be large, unpredictable events. Nobody can predict it. And, um, and if, if you say that you can, then you're either lying or disillusioned. There's this, there's this fun argument in behavioral psychology, which I geek out on all the time, about whether humans are rational or irrational. And... And what's funny is that the, 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 the forefathers of behavioral psychology, Dan Kahneman and, and, and Amos Tversky, um, basically say that, that there's no such thing as irrationality. And then Dan and Rielli wrote a book called Predictably Irrational. And then they did an extra section in the original book, Thinking Fast and Slow, about how there's no such thing as irrationality. And, um, and it's, it's kind of funny because it was like, I don't know, in my eyes, it was, like a, it was kind of like a stab. Like this guy like popularized it, but they're like, no, you're wrong. And... Um, the way that I best understand it is humans are neither rational nor irrational. Humans are post-rationalizing species. We, we work on best guesses, we work on best hunches, but then we're really, really good at post-rationalizing a thing and creating a nice sounding, plausible narrative, neatening up the edges, working backwards. Mm-hmm. It's, it's never as neat as you remember it is, and it's never as neat as somebody sells you. And oftentimes when you're buying business advice and business development advice, the only advice that can really be sold is advice that can be basically bundled up into a neat, pretty thing with a bow and sold to you, which is not how it actually works, which people, as you get into it more and more, and you've got to make a couple of mistakes and buy some stuff probably that like you shouldn't have bought in order to figure this out really for yourself. 
because as you get more and more experience, you realize just how messy it is. And you realize that there's actually golden nuggets and all of those things that you bring out, but there's never going to be one model. I mean, this is what, like, this is what we do in the online training academy. We don't, we don't teach one model. We teach you all of the best practices. And then we work you through a process to put those together in the best way for you based on your situation. And then we give you lifetime access, knowing that your situation is going to change and you're going to need to rejig those things. That's just life. You know, when I started training, I was a single guy with no real responsibilities. Now I'm a father with a wife and a house. Like things change, right? Obviously the amount of money I need to make month to month fundamentally changes, which means my business model needs to change. Um, so it's, it's a really, it's a really interesting, I guess, discussion of like what, I don't, I don't know, man, like, what is it that you need to do now? Um, because I believe it's the same thing you always needed to do. I believe that I wrote this in, in one of my books, Fironomics in 2013, which is buttons change, humans don't. Social media is always going to change. The algorithms are always going to, you just can't keep up with them. But if you keenly understand human psychology, and business fundamentals and how money works, you're always gonna do well. And you're always gonna be able to take those things. And if you build a brand and a reputation, similar to what you're talking about, I mean, we started talking about like the micro and the macro. What's the macro? What are the things that really matter? Reputation, trust, brand, core transferable fundamental skills, understanding of behavioral psychology. Can you write well? Can you, do you, do you kind of understand how marketing works fundamentally? Do you understand how money works? And if you have those things, as you do, Luca, brilliantly, you will always be able, you're always going to be okay. Nothing can take you out. And the reason why people are taken out with COVID is quite frankly, it's, it's obviously bad luck, but like for the most part, your businesses weren't that stable to start with. Then you, and and you that's not a bad thing. Like, like I, I think, sorry to interrupt you. I, th I, think, I think coming out of this is a really good thing. I, I wrote an article called The Fitness Industry is Broken, A Story of Hope. Because I think there's going to be two people coming out of this. I think number one is people, everybody's hurt by this. I'm hurt by this, you're hurt by this. But like, it's forcing us to be better, right? And so people are either going to come out of this and they're going to be kicked down. And we all know that pressure makes diamonds. We all know that when we're kicked down, we look back at it later on and you're like, that was an important point for me. That's why I'm so good now. Other people are going to be knocked down with this and they're going to realize that maybe this wasn't the right thing for them in the first place. And they're going to get out and do something that is the right thing for them. I see those as both positives, man. Yeah. Those people were only going to suffer. Well, I mean, the thing is, when you're in a shitstorm, you never, you know, I, I always say I try to go a year ahead and go like, all right, when I look back a year from now, what am I going to think yeah. about this moment? Because when you're in the moment, it's like, oh, man, it keeps piling up and blah, blah, blah. For sure. But, but it, it's, we know down the line, you'll be like, oh, remember that time when X, Y, yeah. you know? Um, hey, I, I, let me ask you this, because I, I feel like this is really important. Um, part, a part, important part of, you know, brand and where we're moving and how people are consuming stuff. And I'm, I'm, I'm in agreement with you, like, man, dominate a platform. But I've been telling people, like, you got to get good on, on camera. I mean, it, well, presenting, I guess. It, it's it's one, of those, so. one, one of two things. Like, what do you think about that? 
I mean, I'm, I don't, I don't really care about presenting on camera, and it's probably hurt me. But at the same time, I'm okay with it. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, for our, you know, for our programs and stuff like that, I film. Uh, and so, it's. What do I think about that? I think it's a very important skill. Do I think you can be successful without it? Hundred percent. Do I think that it's going to amplify every single thing you do? Hundred percent. So, yeah, you should try to get good on camera. But if you really don't want to, become a fucking tremendous writer. And don't even think about camera. <laughs> but, but absolutely, it's going to amplify everything you do, for sure. And I, and I think it's a bias, like on my side, I, I think it's a bias too that I say that. Maybe because it's like I enjoy it and I got good at it. Um, yeah. And, you know, and you look at statistics of people buying obviously the buying has gone up so much. I think 90% of stuff online gets bought through some type of video, um, whether it's stuff that gets retargeted to an offer or whatever else it may be. Mm. Um, but I, I think you make a good point though. Like, you know, it, it's being lukewarm and stuff is, is not the way to go. Uh, you know, I think, you know what I think it is. There's, I think about this a lot. Um, you know, David Epstein wrote a book called range, which, uh, I think, I think you don't have to read. I think it was overblown. Um, I was actually really disappointed by the book. I, I found it was, it basically could have been written in five pages. Um, and it was like 400. But, uh, but, but the, basic, the, the basic principle comes down to this one question, which is if you had um, 10 of the world's experts in 10 different subjects, is a group of those 10 people going to be more impactful than one person who's got good knowledge of all 10 subjects, which is a fascinating question. And, and what Epstein argued quite persuasively is one person is more effective mm -hmm. because at a certain point, the marginal benefit of more information on a thing, unless you're obviously a researcher, is, is very, very small. But if, you, if you're 10 different people, you have a very hard time figuring out where the interplay is amongst these schools of thought. If you're one person, you can figure out where all these things cross over and make connections. Now, I, I, I love that and I agree with it, but the way that I think about it is actually one step farther. I believe that you need to be great at one thing. And, and for most people listening, it's gonna be fitness. It's gonna be health and nutrition and fitness. You don't need to be world-class at that thing, but like you need to be good and you need to like always want to be better, right? At that one thing. But then you need to surround that thing with a whole bunch of complementary, basic transferable skills. And like I said, that's writing, that's money management, that's probably video. That's a, that's a basic understanding of why, I mean, I say behavioral psychology, why do, humans, why do humans absorb messages? Why do humans use social media? I don't really care about this specific social media network because I understand enough about why humans use it, then I don't really care what network it is. I can figure out, I can tell you right now, I can go down the list of exactly how to use Instagram. Like that shit's easy to find out. That's, that's uh, I mean, that's, that's not valuable information. How do you then apply that to understanding why humans use it? Mm -hmm. And so if you're great at one thing and you've got all these complementary skill sets, now you become pretty dangerous. And, and I, think, I think that's really what more people need to kind of look at doing. Um, and, and perhaps, unfortunately, a lot of fitness professionals are so into fitness 
that that they don't quite look at the other stuff as much as they should and it hurts them unfortunately and it hurts their message and um to be honest that's sad like if you ask me i wouldn't say that keeps me up at night i sleep pretty good but it, it it does make me like like i think about that a lot and i think about how to how to solve that problem because i think i think people who work in the fitness industry are the best people in the world i think they have perhaps the most ability to impact wide scale change and solve a lot of the world's problems about as much as any industry. And I think by and large, our industry is not doing a good enough job because our people are too narrow-minded or too singularly focused to do a good job. And, um, and I'm trying to really combat that. I agree with you on that. So if you if you hear that's like every once once a day a train is by in the background and I try to nice. move it out, it's like only <laughs> airplanes on it. It's loud as it's loud loud as hell. But uh, no, like I, I agree with you. I'm I'm so bought into this, and I mean obviously that's why I'm so invested into this industry, uh, because like I do believe that we make an impact more than just about anybody on our clients. Mm-hmm. I really really do. But I also you know I I believe that there's coaching in the business of coaching, and I think that's a lot of times where coaches fall short where the things like you talk about like the money management and just understanding the one-on-one of business marketing sales Do you have any idea how many people we've worked with that have been trainers for five plus years that don't even know that they can write off on their taxes professional education wow yeah that's yeah that's crazy and and then and these are the same people who say that they can't afford an accountant it's like, dude, do you realize that if you hired an accountant, how much more money you would have in your pocket right now? You're an independent contractor for the last five years, making 75 grand a year at your gym. You're getting taxed way too much. You're getting taxed an extra five, $6,000 every single year. And you say you can't afford 1500 bucks for an accountant. It's it's uh it's funny because like I, I feel like I have I got lucky with my accountant many years ago because I trained her and she's like the Michael oh, nice. um and I've, you know she's grown with me she's kind of like a, a aunt you know what I mean like she gives yeah me and she cares like 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 you trust her oh and man she, yeah it's, so I've referred thirty one different businesses to them that have oh stuff wow well because they're that good and this is the conversation that I have I have the conversation of. They're like, yeah, but how much is it going to be? And I said, listen, man, if they don't save you more money in yep. the first three months that you'll pay them for the whole year, I, I, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'll, I'll pay a couple months of the accounting for you. And it's like right off the bat, they come back and they go, I didn't know I was doing so much dumb shit. Because they're just like, stop doing this. Pay yourself less here. Pay yourself more here. You know, and all of a sudden, like, we just save you 10 grand a year. Um, but that's, that's the, like, if, if you don't- And long-term know- money management too. How many times have you called- like, like little stuff, like how many times have you called your credit card company and your, and, your, and your phone bill and stuff like that and tried to negotiate, you know, a lower rate? But even long-term stuff, I mean, how are you structured? Like, how are you structured professionally? Where are you, where are you shuttling money? How are you investing money? Um, are you triggering, you know, are you triggering dividends? Are you triggering, um, I, I mean, all of these things. Like, it, it's... It's, it's basic financial literacy that really, I mean, it's a, it's a freaking shame that they don't force every single kid to learn it in school, but the reality of it is they don't. Um, but you got to learn it. <laughs> yeah, you have to. It's not, it's, not, it's not a nice to know thing. It's, no. it's must know. And considering, like, I, I want to definitely be respectful of your time, but to, 
Yeah, I got to go actually soon, so that's good. <laughs> Is there anything else that's like not a just like, ah, oh, it'd be nice to know, but like that, you know, if you fired and say, hey, listen, this is stuff the coaches I see them not doing or not knowing, and they really have to know it. As a, as a I mean, I think, I think communication skills are something that every single coach needs to be great at. I, I, I think writing is at the core of it. I, because really, if you can write well, you can speak well. Mm-hmm. Writing forces you to analyze and understand something in a way that's much deeper than you could ever speak it. And, and not only that, writing is at the base of basically everything you do. Customer service is often writing, you know, emails, text messages, that type of thing. There's a lot of nuance, a lot of communication that we do these days is what's called asynchronous. Basically, asynchronous conversation is you and I speaking to each other, right? You speak, I don't have that much time to really think about my response. I should maybe stop and think a little bit longer, but I, but I don't. But, but asynchronous conversation is like a text message. Like you send me a text, I have really as long as I want to respond to that text. You might be pissed off because there's the little scene icon there and you're like, the dick, why isn't he responding to it? But, but the reality of it is, like, like I have as long, so that's asynchronous. And a lot of the time with asynchronous conversation, nuance get lost, emotion gets lost, meaning gets lost if you're not an effective communicator. That can really be damaging in customer service. But think about, think about sales, obviously. Writing is massive. Think about every social media network you use, every social media platform you use, is fundamentally based on writing. So obviously LinkedIn, Facebook is a lot of writing. Instagram, it's all the caption. YouTube, it's all the script. And then all that you're doing on all of those platforms is like I said in the beginning, generating traffic, bringing them back to somewhere that you own. That's literally the only reason why you ever use it. Where do you own them? Email. What do you do with an email? You write. Like, so, I, I mean, you have to become an effective writer. It's, it's the type of skill, if you become an effective writer and you learn how to, how to communicate well, persuade well, and sell well through writing, you will always be able to make money. I firmly believe that. You could do, you could do anything. I'm, I'm fairly confident that I could go into any industry and make money because I have enough confidence in my writing skills. I need to learn a little bit about that industry. But, but, you have but that's a... Yeah. Well, think about think about what that does to your confidence. Think about what that does as you approach business day to day to know that you're virtually untouchable. I mean, it's it's a pretty fun and powerful position to be in. So so to answer the question, I think writing, man, um, I, I really really do. You don't have to write books at all, but you got to write well, and and if you don't, it's really going to hurt you in ways you'll probably never be able to measure. Um, but, uh, but in some of the most impactful ways. I think that's a, a, as good of a sell as you can make for getting good at writing. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, I, and I, I know we could riff, man. Like that's, that's what I love about these conversations. We talk for forever about stuff, man. Um, but guys, I really hope that, I mean, there's definitely some nuggets in this masterclass on building an online coaching business here. Um, I, I'm pretty sure people know where to find you, but just in case, if they don't know where to find you and what to do next, please share where they need to go. Yeah, for sure. If you're interested in online coaching at all, we've got the Online Trainer Show podcast. You can find that anywhere you listen to podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube. That's called Online Trainer Show. Uh, OnlineTrainer.com slash podcast if you want all the links. If you want to look into a certification, business mentorship type stuff, uh, Online Trainer Academy it's called, and that's OnlineTrainer.com slash academy. Perfect. Yeah, buddy. Thank you so much. Hey guys, listen, first of all, you know how I feel about when, when we do these shows, it's like, go and do something. Like if you, you know, John shared something that hit you 
in the gut. Maybe it was like, how do you get your first five clients? And yeah. I mean, basically broke down the step by step, take action on it, build that confidence, see that you can do it. And then there was a lot of like, you know, big principles and some tactical things, but man, just take action on it. Because if every, every episode you take some action, you're going to move forward. And that's really all that matters is, is what you do. Not just, you know, what you hear. Um, with that yeah. said, love and appreciate you guys. It could have been anywhere, but you were here. We'll see you in the next episode. We are out. Peace.